I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. We are back with another episode, and we are going to deep dive into change. We're back on the change. We're back the on change the change train. <laughs> the change train, maybe. <laughs> Last week, we had some good chats about change and how we both kind of struggle with it, mm-hmm. struggle with managing it. Mm-hmm. And this week, we're diving in with Frank. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot of tips for us. So Frank is an ADHD coach. Uh, we ask him a little bit about what exactly that means. Um, but he basically goes around helping people with ADHD. He goes around. And he, he goes, goes around. around. He's in a suitcase. He opens his ADHD <laughs> suitcase up and he pulls a card out and he helps you out with it. Uh, so, no, he's wicked. Very calm. Very calm. Made us calm. Did you yeah. notice that? We yeah, were, yeah. He was like, very, he's like, sort of, sort of, it's almost ASMR vibes. <laughs> He does have a very calming presence. Mm, Yes, if you want to be relaxed. Um, But he's got so many tips and tricks and things that you will learn to like, you listen to this and go, okay, I'm going to do this now. I'm going to do that. Yeah, I took loads. I'm going to put it out there. He might have been one of my favorite guests we've had on the podcast so far. I really, really enjoyed it. Honestly, Mm. there were so many things that I was like, yeah, taking that, taking that. Okay. Um, so if you're interested in change <laughs> and not just a financial incentive, <laughs> then they say talk to Frank. We spoke to Frank. <laughs> oh, we spoke to Come Frank. Come on. Okay. Uh, enjoy the enjoy the episode. Enjoy. Hey, I'm Jack. And I'm Kat. And this is a podcast called Distracted. All about ADHD. ADHD. And now you say, <laughs> welcome. welcome. <laughs> Frank Brown, hello. Hey, guys. <laughs> welcome to the podcast. Thank um, you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. You are an ADHD coach. Yeah. Which means you get ADHD people fit in the mind. <laughs> I'm not sure it's quite that simple. and I'm not sure I'd describe it like that. But yeah, I mean, I had spent my 20s sort of full of like anxiety, really. And I'd always sort of, you know, like a lot of people, I was like, oh, what's my purpose in life? And I try and figure it out. I was diagnosed late in inverted commas, right? Like not that late at, th- at 30. And everything just clicked into place. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd known my whole life that... 
I thought differently to other people and I couldn't put a finger on it. And I was like, what's going on here? Is there something wrong with me? Or, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, when I got the diagnosis, it just felt like such a weight had been lifted. Today, we're going to talk about change. Yeah. So last week, uh, me and Kat sort of sat down and we talked about a bunch of different examples and uh, stories in our own lives where we've dealt with change well and terribly, <laughs> um, mainly terribly on my end. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> um, and uh, so we're kind of hoping to like break it down a little bit. We've got some like questions, but I guess a good place to start would be change with ADHD. Could you sort of just like help to like summarize sort of ADHD people and change? What's their relationship like with it? If we take a step back and look at like ADHD and the wiring of our brain, people often think it's a lack of dopamine in our brain. So dopamine yeah. is sort of gives us like a rush, a sort of thrill, so to speak, uh, along with things like adrenaline. It's not actually a lack of dopamine. It's a slower trans, uh, transmission of dopamine. And what that means is that we don't get rush or we don't get thrill necessarily in the same way, certainly from sort of low level activity. So change in turn, can be quite challenging because A, it doesn't always give us the stimulation we want. Sometimes it gives us too much stimulation and it can sort of throw us off balance. And, um, you know, particularly when we have our mind fixed on a certain outcome or, you know, somewhere we want to go and it doesn't happen, it can again throw us off. There are lots of different models uh, around executive functions. You guys all over the executive oh, functions? Yeah. yeah. We talked to uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. so, uh, Faggy, she's called Previous she episode. Amazing. Loads of details about. You've got memory in there. You've got emotion. You've got energy. Um, there's even just the sort of understanding of the task itself or, you know, um, simple things like going to school, going to work. You know, my journey in today, so many variables mm. that take up executive function sort of take up that brain power that we might struggle with did you have an example you wanted to share or like yeah i mean for (laughs) sure we can go there so i am sometimes worried that uh when i'm in a relationship Mm. a romantic relationship that i am too quick to want someone new because of it becoming consistent is it the relationship that's not going well or is it me wanting something new that's been a big battle through most of my life. Yeah. Wow. We've gone deep quickly, haven't we? Yeah. But no, I love it. <laughs> Straight I love it. I love that's what the podcast is all about. No, it's good. And it's an interesting one. You know, as we said, only you as Jack know what it's like to be Jack with ADHD. I can't, you know, experience it for you. You know, I think there's a lot of outside pressure that plays a part in terms of society generally to like get the job you want, you know, find mm. your dream job earlier. You know, like I said earlier, you know, find your purpose, deliver it, you mm. know, buy the house, get married before you're 30, all this sort of stuff. So I think that plays a part in how we then perceive ourselves too. You know, like, is it actually that I feel that way that I move on quickly or is it that society is making me feel bad for that? You know, mm. Yeah. And, um, you know, I can't speak for your past relationships, but we as, as ADHDers, we're often quite amiable people, you know, quite easy to get on with. And uh, we again, like we said, we like stimulation, we like change, and that can come in different forms. Mm. And sometimes it's relationships, sometimes it's other things. And ultimately, you know, certainly not a relationship therapist or anything like that, but, you know, whether it's too fast or too soon is, is up to you to decide. <sighs> I wanted you to give me all the answers. <laughs> And, and but it, it makes sense it's it's a it's an individual journey isn't it and you have to sort of go on it i guess everyone has a different relationship with change and what's right and what's wrong and yeah there's so many factors in that yeah and what's interesting is like i've been with my partner 
since before I knew about my ADHD. So she's known me sort of before, during and after the, the process. And I'm, I really do believe it helped our communication massively. Because yeah. everyone's got their quirks, right? Everyone's got their things. Everyone's got their hobbies, you know. If you don't know about your ADHD, it's very difficult to explain why you've got a thousand hobbies, a thousand interests. You start mm-hmm. stuff, you buy the gear and then you never do it. People just think like, oh, you know, what a quitter, what a yeah. you know, whatever. And really it's like, no, I just, I just love change. I love new things. I love trying stuff. You know, I love putting my hand, uh, you know, at a new hobby or whatever. And again, just small things like that can be very difficult to explain in a relationship when they sort of see it up close and they're like, you know, what's going on here? Yeah. Whereas actually having that self-awareness, understanding myself, understanding the ADHD and understanding what it means for us as a couple, right? Not mm-hmm. just for me, but like there are impacts, there are implications on on my partner that, you know, we've had to define boundaries for ourselves and say, okay, this I don't really understand. Explain that to me and, and you know, vice yeah. versa. Because that's actually what we spoke about in the previous episode as well, was like the communication and how maybe that could help with Jack finding that he wants change. And maybe it is just like having the conversation and finding a way to communicate. Look, I find I need new things a lot. I don't know if it's the relationship, if it's you or if it's just my brain or what it is. So it's kind of, we were talking about like, how do you approach having that conversation around like, I need change. Take like a holiday or something like that you might be planning with someone. How can I communicate the things that are important to me? I really want some downtime here or actually I'm going to want a day on my own. Putting it out early, you know, one of the the phrases I come back to a lot is curiosity, not judgment. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Mm -hmm. there's so uh, much research about children with ADHD being told off, you know, a certain number of times more than children without ADHD just by the age of like 10 or 12. Yeah. Sort of tens of thousands of times, if I remember correctly. So we start to sort of believe the narrative, right? That we're not allowed to do certain things. We're not allowed to think certain things. We're not allowed to ask for certain things. And actually, I'm just a really big believer in just like, you know, communicate your needs. You know, again, it might be something has happened. And after the fact, you realize that, oh, actually... I wasn't really happy with that, or I really wish we'd done this. So, you know, it could be a case of what I call like pre-signaling, sort of just saying like, look, I had a great holiday, but I really want to talk to you like when we get back and I've sort of processed it a little bit that this day didn't go the way I wanted or actually like I felt a little bit upset here. And not necessarily dumping it on them in the moment, but sort Mm -hmm. of pre-signaling to say, hey, do you know what? I want to talk about this because it's important to me, but I also want to make sure I'm sort of regulated and I'm in the right frame of mind. Yes, definitely. And vice versa, that you're ready to receive it too. Yeah, that's really interesting that you say that because I've actually got so much better at doing that since I've realised I have ADHD Mm. because a lot of the time I'd have all those feelings and feel like, oh, I wish it went differently or whatever. I would just feel bad for feeling that way. And I wouldn't really understand why I'm feeling that way. And so I wouldn't necessarily communicate it. So it's definitely been very useful to now, like like you say, kind of debrief a little bit afterwards and be like, look, in future, this is how I would prefer to deal with this situation or something like that. Yeah, completely. And and as I said, I, it really does come back to like no one else has been you. Mm. And so no one else really knows exactly how you feel. And, um, you know, I certainly can internalize sometimes and sort yeah. of just like sulk myself, uh, you know, not sulk, but sort of remove myself potentially uh, rather than just saying what I need to say. Yeah. And again, that takes a bit of practice, right? Um, For sure. And sort yeah. of, you know, creating Sorry. those boundaries with each other. Yeah. Really important. I was going to say, because I mean, I, I don't know if it's an ADHD thing, but 
I'm certainly a big people pleaser. To even have that conversation, to get into that mode where you're like, here's some bad stuff that actually I wasn't so happy about. You know, I find that so difficult, really hard to do. Have, do you have any techniques or ways that make it like we, we spoke last week about if I need to have a difficult conversation with someone, we'll go on a walk and then I'll, you know, so it's less eye contact, the sort of more external stimuli or, or if I'm having it, I'll clean the room whilst having it, you know, stuff like that. But I don't know if there's anything that you could, uh, any advice you could give. Anyone that I worked with in a former life, you know, my old world of um, like marketing, I used to work for Cadbury's and Innocent Drinks and a few other places like that. And, and I was taught then, uh, I wasn't always the best at giving in mind, but I was taught best uh, then giving feedback directly, but also caring deeply. And I think sometimes we can go too far in one. So we either just give too direct feedback mm. and then, you know, my friends used to call me too far Frankie because I was like too <laughs> blunt, you know, too yeah. direct, right? <laughs> and then equally sometimes when, you know, you care and you sort of don't want to upset the other person or, you know, you think, oh, maybe my opinion's not as important and you keep it to yourself. And actually also you don't realize that by doing that, you might be hurting them too. Mm. So sometimes having the difficult one is sort of gearing, gearing yourself up direct feedback, caring deeply. There's a great TED talk on it. I really recommend it. But I think generally the, the tips you mentioned, it's good ones in terms of, you know, if I would rather have an activity, preferably a sort of low stress activity, something that we can do together, you know, it could be like board games. It could be this. I've seen people write it on pieces of paper, right? And they mm. ask questions, um, sort of, you know, how are you feeling? Couples might do a couples check-in, mm. um, you know, might sort, of, might sort of say like, how do I feel about where we are for like money right now, for for our emotions, for my career, you know, and just sort of sense checking along the way. And it's not always easy to do, especially as you say, we can be people pleasers. We can say yes. We can put the needs of others. So before that is us. an ADHD yeah. thing to be. It can pleaser. be. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think I, I see it a lot now, especially with things like social media. People come back to me, people come to me and they're like, I feel so overwhelmed that like my friends might hate me because I don't reply to them quickly enough on TikTok or whatever. Yeah. So I think there's, there's now this sort of extra layers that, you know, we wouldn't have had two years ago, five years ago, yeah. growing up, whatever it was. Yeah. Mm. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Something I wanted to ask about is kind of the contradiction that I feel quite a lot of a strong desire for change, spontaneity, new things versus fear of change. Um, specifically, I really, really struggle with um, plan changes. So it's almost like 
I guess maybe it's when I'm not in control of the change. That's when I get really stressed. Yeah, it just seems like a massive contradiction in myself of those two. Yeah, ADHD is is full of contradictions. It's full of these like dichotomies, right? Yeah. On one hand, I can't focus. On the other hand, I've got hyperfocus. And one hand, my I've got low energy. On the other hand, I've got high, you know, mm-hmm. bouncing off the walls energy. So yeah, and that, and that's a great example of you know, on one hand, I want to be consistent. I want to sort of fit in. I want to maybe go to the gym or eat and and sort of have all these consistent habits. On the other hand, as we said, we're sort of wired for stimulation or wired for wanting change. And you mentioned sort of struggling with big changes or event changes. Have you got an example that maybe we could like use? I mean, even little things of like, if we were planning to go out for dinner somewhere and then someone decided we wanted to go to a different place, mm. I would be like, I'd expected that place and I'd planned it and I'd imagined us sitting in this place and I'd imagined looking at this menu and all this stuff. And so if I then have to like try and imagine a new place, it just throws me off a bit. So it's like sometimes it will be smaller things like that or also, yeah, I guess like sometimes just bigger events, but it, generally it's just if someone is like, this tiny thing is changing, I'll freak out a bit. Got it. <laughs> so you've already looked at the menu, you've picked out your starter, yeah. psychologically you're there already, yeah. and then suddenly the, the rug's pulled out from mm-hmm. you. Yeah, I get it. You know, one of the exercises I really like in a scenario like this is effectively imagine a target, like a bow and arrow sort of target uh, with three circles in the middle circle you've got things I can control. So in that scenario, uh, what are the things that we could control? We could control when I get there. Yeah. Whether I say yes to the event. What else could we do? What I wear to dinner. Right. Yeah. Whether I choose to go, uh, what I, yeah, as you said, what I wear, Mm -hmm. um, whether my phone is charged, whether I'm wearing like weather appropriate clothing, you know, that sort of stuff. I can control that. Um, And we get comfort for things that we can control. The middle layer in this target is things I can influence. So I might be able to influence the choice of restaurant. Mm-hmm. I might be able to influence what time we meet. Uh, you know, if I live on the other side of London, I want to maybe meet a bit earlier, right? I can influence that. There are certain things that we we can't control, but we can influence. So again, like maybe what the general vibe is or, you know, who's on the invite list. If I'm not organizing the party, I can maybe influence a couple of other people to be invited, that sort of yeah. thing. And then the third layer, the outer layer, is things that we can't control. Uh, the weather's terrible and the outdoor event is now indoors. I really like that exercise as a sort of visual representation of the variables that we deal with. And it can be quite useful to do in advance or equally in the moment yeah. and sort of say, okay, what are the things that I can control in this situation? So like, for example, me coming to meet you today, I was like, right, I can control what train I take. I can tr- control, you know, how much prep I do in advance. I can't control whether the train is actually on time or not, you mm-hmm. know, but I can control taking an earlier train, that sort of thing. So thinking about the balance of these three types of events, so things I can control, things I can uh, influence mm-hmm. and things I can't control. Hopefully through that process, being able to let go or at least accept things that I can't control. Um, yeah. And sometimes that can be quite freeing actually to say, do you know what? Someone scratched my car. I can't control that. Like it's, yeah. happened. it's happened now. Yeah. And do you write this down or is it in your head? Yeah, you can write it down. You can do it on your phone if you want to do it on an app, mm. you know, whatever it might be. Um, but just thinking of those three things in, in their own way. Um, mm. As I said beforehand, if you want to really prepare and sort of, you know, if you're worried about what might happen, but equally in the moment and say, yeah, actually, which of these three does it fall under? 
if if I've built up a narrative of what I want to do that day, mm. right? So I'm going to do this work. I'm going to travel here, and then I'm I've got meet my friends for dinner, and something happens along the way which goes wrong. It's out of plan, out of narrative. I get really angry, and and it's something that we we've talked about before, and it's this feeling that I'm wasting time. That that's the line that always crops up in my head. I'm wasting my time. I'm wasting my time. Would you use? Would you employ that? tactic this sort of um this free layer tactic to to help with that because that's for me it's one of the biggest issues i have i think is this feeling of wasting time and wanting to and then getting and getting angry because of it right yeah. yeah and that comes back to the executive functions as well right you know they're so interrelated in the sense that my energy and my emotions might be quite peaked because i'm quite high uh, i've quite like they're quite high because i'm excited mm-hmm. and then equally i've had that taken away from me and now i'm frustrated now it's coming out as anger whatever it might be yes absolutely you could use that technique uh, you know Another one might be like box breathing because uh, we we forget sometimes that our emotions are sort of physiological and neurological. Sort of the, it's our body sort of all in sync with one another. Mm. It's not just happening in our brain. It's not just happening in our body. It's sort of a bit of both. Maybe I'm getting angry, so maybe my heart rate's going up. Maybe you know I'm getting sweaty. Maybe I'm losing focus, right? So something like box breathing where you breathe in for four seconds, hold for four seconds, breathe out for four seconds, you know, repeating that a few times, but Mm. having something that you know works for you that helps calm you down. So it might be like, actually, do you know what? I'm going to put my favorite song on. I'm going to do five press-ups or I'm Mm. going to go get myself a soft drink, do a little walk or something outside in the sun, you know, whatever it is for for you that helps calm you down um, to recalibrate because yeah, going in from that sort of hot moment of energy and frustration straight into another task is rarely going to lead to the sort of outcome that we want so sometimes yeah. i feel like i'm I, I feel like i need to be in that mode though i do that I'm I'm like, like, i need to be angry and <laughs> sat here and getting wound yeah, up i think about this stuff because i'll be like right i know that breathing will help me i have all these breathing techniques i'll try but yeah. i'll be like no i don't want to do them i'll be like no i want to feel angry <laughs> yeah actually. i'm going to punch my fucking <laughs> keyboard again yeah. you yeah. just like resist the help you know that you know percent. <laughs> and, and this is it so the coaching you know with coaching like it's not telling people what to do it's helping people helping people figure out what works for them yeah so if it helps you to just get it out you know vent it you know vent it get it out mm. get a squeezy toy or a stress toy or you know something like that uh just do what works for you obviously safely yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, without going committing any crimes or anything yeah i just need to steal something from tesco <laughs> yeah no <laughs> don't clip that up frank told me to do it that's not the case but uh yeah ultimately it really comes down to sort of giving yourself the space uh to process you know um there's a clinical psychologist in the states um dr sharon uh, celine she talks about the five C's and I'm going to try and test myself to see if I can remember <laughs> them, which is a bit rogue. Um, so self-control. So self-control, first of all, is like, in order for me to have any sort of positive impact on anyone else, I need to get myself in order first. So as we said, maybe it's a case of processing it privately, go and grab a glass of water. And the second one is uh, compassion. So, you know, we're rarely going to achieve something constructive if we sort of come in hot, you know, judgmental, angry, accusatory. So it's really like coming with compassion, like, oh, I understand, you know, you had to cancel. I was a bit frustrated, but I get it. You know, these things happen, or, you know, whatever it might be. Collaboration is, okay, things went wrong. Uh, what can we do to recover? Collaboration might be, 
I'd love to come, but that doesn't quite work for me. Can we do like this instead? You know, I'm always a believer in like solutions, not problems. Mm -hmm. So, you know, throw out a, an alternative that does work for you, that maybe manages your energy a bit better, whatever it might be. So collaborations are bringing in that teamwork. The next one is consistency. Always a tricky one for ADHD, as we've talked about. But the fifth one is uh, celebration. And I think those two go hand in hand. Is that actually positive reinforcement for myself, for yourself, saying, actually, do you know what? That took a lot of effort. I'm really proud of what I've just done, whether I've moved house, whether I've turned up to a restaurant in the rain and I didn't want to, whatever it is. You know, yeah. actually just acknowledging that with ourself. So when I'm having these, these like kind of more difficult conversations and I need to be like more compassionate and all of the C's that you said, right? Uh, I'll have like a plan of, of what I'm going to say and how I'm going to say, and it's a difficult conversation. And because I'm so focused on saying those points, I'm almost not listening to their response. It's like, I like, I, they'll say it and I'm, but I'm, I'm so like, just say my bits. And then when they say something back, I rush, I'm rushing immediately. Like the first thing that's coming to my thoughts, probably interrupting them in their response, you know, and I, I leave the conversation and I find myself going, God, what did they say? There's some bits I remember and I, I feel like I'm not digesting these like difficult conversations enough sometimes. Do you have any techniques or ways oh, I God. can sort of <laughs> absorb <laughs> these difficult conversations a bit better? Also, really, it's about slowing it down, I think, and, and, and slowing everything down. And so I don't just go blurt out the first thing that comes in my head and then I can really hear what they're saying and actually ask them questions about what they're saying and sort of delve into it a little bit more. Yeah. Help me out here. I me. hear you. I hear you. Yeah. And how many times have we had conversations that we've jumped in with something because we know it's on the tip of our tongue and we're worried that the conversation will move on. So yes. like, I've got to say it now, yeah. right? Or actually, I've got a really pertinent point, but it's only going to last about 30 seconds before <laughs> I forget. So I've got to say it now. And oh, I don't know about techniques, but I think you, you're right in the sense that, you know, slowing yourself down about context you're in as well, right? So here we're in a relatively uh, calm environment. It's easy to sort of engage with the two of you, you know, in a party, nightclub, um, hell of a lot more complicated, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So, you know, we were always taught sort of the power of the pause and actually think about, you know, what have they just said? It might be repeating it in my own head or again, thinking of like what are the key words I've just had, take a step back from my busy brain and what I'm thinking and racing ahead with the, all the clever, witty, fun, interesting <laughs> things I've got to throw in and actually putting myself second here and going, you know, what am I hearing? Again, what are the key words I'm hearing? Um, because as we know, ADHD is all about interest, right? And so we might latch onto something that we're super interested in, but might not be necessarily reading the room very well. Mm. So yeah, really sort of taking stock of what's being said. Again, you know, if uh, contextually, if we're in a busy environment, you're thinking about looking at people's lips or sort of putting yourself in a position where you can sort of see them front on potentially, uh, obvious one, but maybe like turning the phone off and stuff. So I'm not um, reading whatever messages are pinging up whilst they're talking to me. Mm. Yeah. Um, just slowing down where we can. Easier said than done. I totally get yeah. it. But I like the idea of keywords, actually. That's a good one. So you can, like, you don't have to feel the pressure of being like, right, I need to take in everything that's being said to me right now. If you can just take the pointers of the main things and then at least that's sunk in. And also maybe even just acknowledging, like, I'm sorry, I only caught some of that. I was daydreaming yeah. or, you know, I heard you say this. Like, is that is that what you were saying? And, mm. you know, just acknowledging that. I think um, we can 
build this narrative in our head that we need to be perfect and no one is mm. whether a coach or otherwise no one is perfect no one's got it all figured out yeah and it's it's as i say it really comes down to what it is that works for you and and the people around you mm, for sure um have you got some big tips or tricks <laughs> that we haven't <laughs> talked about around change that you could give us some of the main sort of i don't know whatever like some big pointers that you find yourself saying all the time in your coaching sessions you know one that I think about a lot, and increasingly so actually, is what we call the energy bank account. So say you're moving house, right? And that's going to take a lot of planning, a lot of effort. Um, the energy bank account concept is like, write up the tasks you've got to do and chalk them up. Maybe a left hand, you know, green for positive things that I'm going to enjoy doing. And the right hand, red, you know, things that I'm not going to enjoy doing. So the idea being green, that's going to charge up my energy bank account. So like a financial bank account, right? It's going to deposit energy that I'm going to be excited about doing. Mm -hmm. So maybe I'm really pumped about repainting the bedroom or and give them a score out of 10. So, you know, actually, this is really pumping me up. I'm, I'm really jazzed about this. And then what are the things that I'm really like stressed about that can we do me can i can yeah, you use me as yeah is that all right <laughs> uh just really rinsing your knowledge here right. do me do me <laughs> <laughs> never okay. seen so much enthusiasm before i love it okay so have you got something coming up that you are particularly worried about or that might include a lot of change uh yes uh my parents are getting divorced and uh, so they're going, so they're moving different, they're moving to different houses. And so it's quite a lot of stress on that level. What do you see yourself having to do as part of all that change? I think just being there for mum and dad, mm -hmm. really, you know, and, and, and probably for my sisters as well. And sort of helping to make sure that they're all in a good place. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. And are there, there are elements of that that you think might be more challenging, more draining, should we say? Yeah, for sure. I think sometimes... It's particularly as a generational thing. I think older generations are not so good at talking about their emotions all the time. Mm. And I think for me, my the big weight I'm putting on myself is being able to have these sort of emotional chats with mum and dad to because I don't know if they've necessarily got that outlet in mm. the friendship groups or, you know, in their sort of day-to-day -day lives. So yeah. That's the that's the kind of big strain I feel like having to be there in that emotional way. Yeah, got it. So, you know, when when you're dealing with that, we want to be thinking about the counterbalance, right? So if, if I'm going to have to do one thing, that's really draining. So for some people, for example, a long drive to see my parents might be draining. For other people, they love the drive. And so mm. they that really charges them up, right? They listen to podcasts, music, whatever. Uh, if we were coaching together, we'd be thinking about, okay, well, what are the elements as we break it down? So yeah, how much travel am I going to do? Is that going to be positive or negative in the bank account? Is the conversation and the support element, um, am I going to find that rewarding? Because mm. Or am I going to find that challenging? In which case, at each point, can I find the appropriate sort of counterbalance, the positive counterbalance to say, hey, right. do you know what? I've acknowledged that this is going to be really difficult. So I'm going to make sure that I have maybe the next day I have a walk by myself or mm. I go to the beach or I go to the cinema or whatever it is I like. Just find that sort of appropriate counterbalance that in your world gives you hopefully sort of an equal but opposite 
um, sort of recharge, if that mm. makes sense. So you're not being weighed down by right. it. And, and, and also, so I guess, having a bit more foresight. Because that's something that, I mean, I've bloody struggled with foresight. I, I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow. Like, I have to look in <laughs> yeah, the calendar. Yeah, yeah. But just getting in the practice of being like, okay, this is happening. How is it going to make me feel? Yeah. How do I help myself when, you know, if it makes me feel a certain way? That's yeah, really... being a bit more in tune with it as well, mm. I suppose. Yeah, and, and leverage the people around you. Like, the communication that we talked about, whether it's partner, whether it's friendship groups, whether it's family, and just saying, hey, look, you know, I'm going to have a lot on my plate at the moment. Can I leave this to you? Yeah. Or, you know, I'm not going to be in the headspace to be managing all the bills when I get back. Can you either remind me or can we work together so that I don't forget? As you said, it's not about sort of dumping or, or outsourcing entirely. It's just about, you know, understanding your communicational needs and style and those around you. And, you know, you be there for your friends and, and they'll be there for you in return yeah. sort of thing. Right? So important because I definitely always fall into the trap of being like, I'll just make sure I'll just make it work and just be like, I'll just deal with the consequences another time. I'll, I'll just fit it all in. It's fine. <laughs> but I think the foresight is very important. Ba- balance it out. Yeah. And so often we like to come up with really complex solutions, right? We're gonna, I'm going to go to the gym at 6am and then I'm going <laughs> to run home and then I'm going to do this. And, and actually because we often have this busy brain, sometimes the simplest solutions are the best solutions, you know? Mm. So I basically been fitter than ever and just ran a half marathon without being at the gym. I I quit everything. I bought a couple of kettlebells and and actually just that simplicity was so helpful to me rather than having, you said in one episode of the podcast, you know, the 60 pound ADHD planner, right? Oh my God, yeah. How many apps have we all downloaded? And the hope is a miracle cure. And sure, of course, there will be good ones that again, work for some people more than others. Yeah. You know, understanding that I do have strengths. I do have an internal resilience despite what I might have been labelled by people in the past. And one of the things I'll always come back to is start from a place of strength. Because if I just do something because it's the neurotypical expectation that I have to be super consistent, I have to go to the gym five times a week, it's never really going to work. That's so, so you know, true. Building from within. Yeah. And just like finding the fundamentals. What are the th- the core things you're looking for rather than just being like, maybe that'll be fun. <laughs> and every, everyone's got them. Everyone's yeah. got these strengths that, yeah. you know, sometimes we just haven't paid attention to them in a while. Mm-hmm. In your own life, Frank, do you, how, do you like have a moment where you sit down and think about this stuff? Because I don't, wouldn't even know when to... <laughs> sit down is it like before bed are you thinking about it in the shower this foresight i i think i'd, I'd almost have to start scheduling it in yeah you know? maybe you do yeah and i actually do but yes yeah, so i put in i put in quarterly check-ins where i basically take a half day or even a full day i might just uh walk around london or go to somewhere exciting like a museum and sort of in the back of my mind, think things through. And then usually at the end of the afternoon, I'll sort of jort things down on the page. No way. Um, yeah. But equally on a sort of more regular basis, again, it could be like a couple's check-in where you just chat over dinner um, mm. in the car as you as you sort of drive home from, from the station or whatever. Or, you know, in a workplace, it could be, I'm going to put in 15 minutes, bring in a, an accountability buddy, bring in a, a body double so you can do it. You know, you can just write your 10 minutes together. Body doubling is really is proven to be quite effective, especially for ADHDs. Yeah. This idea of, you know, the reason we go and study in the library, say, rather than in our room is because that sort of social expectation or that sort of norm that's been set watching people study <laughs> is going to help me to put, put myself in the mindset. The other way I think about things too 
you know, life is hopefully going to be a long and happy one for, for, for everyone. And when you think about all the major experiences a lot of us have had, uh, whether it's school, whether it's university, whether it's jobs, there's always this expectation that it's quite a long period of time, right? Mm-hmm. So school might be five years, 10 years, university might be three, four or five, you know, jobs. They'll often say, oh, we need you in this for at least two years, whatever. Mm-hmm. And something that can be helpful to, is to think about marathons versus sprints. So those sort of timeframes that we've just talked about are marathons, right? This idea of like, I've got to do a three-year slog. That is going to take all the executive function I have and then some, right? Um, especially because I'm traveling up and down the country all the time, whatever. Whereas as ADHDers, we tend to be better suited to the quote-unquote sprint. Mm-hmm. This idea of shorter time periods, yeah. right? Like I can do it for six weeks, I can do it for eight weeks, and then I go on holiday and I'll lose motivation. So actually, why don't I lean into that? It, again, it's sort of like this idea that we have to operate on these massive long marathon timelines. I have to just go to the gym five times a week for the rest of my life. Yeah, Is this sort of expectation that's been put on us, this marathon? Whereas actually, if it's like, look, I know that I've got a weekend off in six weeks, why don't I see this as a six week sprint? So I'm just going to enjoy the last of the good weather and walk a bit more or run a bit more. And then when I get back from holiday uh, in that six week period, I'm going to have to think, okay, what does my new sprint look like? Maybe in the run up to Christmas where Mm. again, I'm going out a lot more. No week is ever the same. So trying to do the same thing week in, week out is ultimately probably not going to work. Yeah. So so breaking things up into sprints and being quite conscious about it, being quite intentional can be really helpful to say, do you know what? I've got a really busy couple of months. Like this is my sprint. I'm just going to knuckle down. I really, really love that because I do this all the time where I'll, I'll think, right, this is my new thing. This is the thing that's going to stick now. And then I'll like really, I'll like get quite obsessed with it. And then one day I just won't want to do it anymore and I'll feel really bad and really annoyed because I'm like, I swear that was going to be the thing that stuck. And so, yeah, that's a great way to reframe it, to be like, cool, on to the next thing then. Mm. Yeah. and What works now? And owning it, right? Mm. Again, sort of not necessarily being forced into this like neurotypical narrative that I have to do things the same way as everyone else. Yeah. I have to do it their way. I have to sort of comply yeah, sort of owning the narrative and just saying, hey, look, I've looked at the calendar, like, oh, I'm really pumped about this holiday. And just acknowledging that what I do before the holiday will be different to what I do on the holiday, which will be different to what I do when I come back from the holiday. And as you said, we can get so caught up in this all or nothing thinking, you know, how many times have we had a diary or a planner and we've done really well and then we go away for a weekend and we forget one day and then suddenly we throw the planner away. All the time. I've got a diary. I've got a stack of diaries because I start a new one every time. Like, right, maybe a new one will make me keep doing it. It's the colour. It's the colour of the cover. What about there's stuff that you do really want to keep going with, but mm. you're f- struggling? For example, let's talk about this podcast. No, I don't want to stop at all. <laughs> no, no, no. But Am I witnessing a breakup here? I have a podcast break. I really don't like cat. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I have a worry that we're, we're going full steam ahead, but once we start going for six months, oh, it's that thing we've been doing. Oh, yeah. So we'll start to dip. But we both know we want to keep doing this. Yeah. Well, one of us does. And <laughs> so it's like, do do we just, I don't know. I don't know what to do about that because I am worried about that because that's, that's classic me, sort of, mm. you know, what we're we talking about. Yeah, and sort of always looking for the shiny thing, right? Yeah. The next shiny yeah. thing. I always describe it to having like a magpie mind where you're like, ooh, 
shiny thing. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Yeah. And you're right, right? You know, again, we talked about, you know, people with a thousand hobbies or projects that we sort of started. And I understand why uh, people might sort of see us as starters, not finishers. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, again, it sort of comes down to ask yourself, you know, what uh, is it that made you want to start the podcast in the first place? You know, what strengths are you tapping into? Um, you could be doing anything you want with your time right now, but you've chosen to do this, right? And really reminding yourself, why is it important? Mm. Um, again, you know, with so much of the coaching philosophy, it's about who you're being rather than what you're doing. Well, I'm being creative. I'm being energetic. I'm being happy. Those are the things that ultimately will keep you in it rather than, you know, me saying you have to do it. Mm. I think um, there's a a book, nothing to do with ADHD, actually. A great book by Daniel Pink called Drive. Sort of boils it down to, to three things. Motivation, according to him at least, purpose, autonomy, and mastery. Purpose is like, why am I doing it? Could be working down in a shop down the road. I could be helping at a soup kitchen. Here we are here today, right? So why am I doing it? Why is it important to me? And we can sometimes lose track of that, right? Because let's say we get distracted by metrics like, oh, we haven't got as many subscribers as we thought. We haven't got as many views as we thought. I'm sure that's not the case with you. But, you know, we can get distracted by why, right? We can get sort of, our vision can be sort of clouded by things that, conflate uh, success, right? Mm. So the first one is purpose. Like, why am I doing it in the first place? The second one is autonomy, which is this idea of like me being able to exercise the control I want. So again, there's a huge sort of over-index in neurodistinct individuals who are CEOs, who are entrepreneurs, who run their own businesses, you know, you guys are, you know, contractors and being able to pick and choose the work that you do you know, there is the autonomy, right? You could have got a, a desk job or you could have got a steady uh, nine to five, but you haven't. Yeah. And, and exercising that autonomy, again, I think taps into that ADHD sort of stimulation, mm-hmm. um, preference and so on. And then the third one is mastery. Is like, how can I build up the skills that I've learned over a lifetime, sometimes from very different experiences, right? And they've all sort of come together. How can I sort of flex that that skill set that I'm quite proud of, that mm. worked really hard on. Yeah, I really, really like that. Because I, I worry as well sometimes about kind of like the mastery thing, because I, I do tend to flip between different things. And I really like that. But sometimes I do have that check-in of, like you say, it's like the standard is you're not supposed to do that. You commit to one thing and you get really, really good at it. But actually, I've kind of like learned a lot of different skills throughout doing that, that all merge together mm. in some way that I might not have considered have. But even like so many different kinds of jobs I've worked in, I've learned so much from them. So they've all been really useful. Makes you more of a USP. Yeah, Because exactly. you've got skills that other people wouldn't have. I struggle a lot with transitions between, say, different situations. Um, it seems like such a huge task to move between one to the other. Things like even ridiculous things like going to the loo, I'll like really, really hold it for so long until it's really uncomfortable because I'll be like, the thought of moving to the next thing and going to the toilet is huge or like I'll, I'll get home sit in the car and I'll just be sat, I'm sat in my car on my phone for like 10 minutes or something and then be like okay maybe I'm ready to move now and it seems really strange but it does seem to be a thing again if you can think about them in advance that can help you know for for example uh, it might sound really trivial but for some school children for example if they're maybe changing school it could be like practicing the walk to your new school. Mm. It could be wearing the uniform a couple of days in advance just to get used to it. You know, so other things that you could do in advance, you know, 
if I go somewhere, I will always like not only just take the postcode, but I'll try and find it on Google Maps and I'll find the visual, I'll try and find the door entry. Present me, helping future me yeah. make the right decision. Yeah. So my house is full of post-it notes everywhere for this exact <laughs> thing to help with tra- transitions of like, don't forget to iron the clothes or don't forget yeah. to you know take the bins out, whatever it might be. With ADHD, out of sight is very much out of mind. Mm-hmm. So thinking, yeah. you know, think about the ways in which you could bring it back to the front of mind. So it could be, again, we talked about apps, it could be an app that has a notification. It could be something like a, a Kanban board on the on the wall, which is a sort of type of planner. It's mm. quite visual. It helps you between sort of doing, done and stuck or however you want to set it up you know, would also consider things like transition objects. So for example, I have a a work rucksack and that has everything I need in advance. I plan it when I've last used it so that it's ready the next time I use it without thinking. Mm. It's got all the cables I need. It's got a power bank. It's got a spare laptop charger because I know that at six in the morning when I'm running for the train, I'm going to forget that charger, right? So having that transition object, i.e. my rucksack that I know is like, in, in the drop of a hat, I could grab it and go. Great advice. That's yeah. really good. Because that's what, yeah, a lot of me, I'm running around the house trying to get everything together before I leave and that makes it such a huge task. At, at school, <laughs> I used to put all of my books in my bag every day that's because n- I just knew where mind. I was. I knew I would forget them. So I would just have them all there. And it was great. Never yeah, I did the opposite. Never, never missed them. Similar sort of thing, but more, ad- yeah. more adult version with a laptop. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and the other thing as well is, uh, you know, time blindness can play an impact. So you talked about mm. being sat in the car and then before you know it, you spent 15 minutes on social yeah. media and like, where's the time gone? Yeah. You know, we, we have so many sort of tech wearables or we've got so many in our pockets that setting timers, uh, you know, people talk about the Pomodoro timer. Do you 20, use that sometimes? 25 minutes on, five minutes off. But I'm a big believer in, um, if I know I've got a call in, say, an hour and a half, again, an hour and a half might feel like a, a day. Right? Mm. And so I tend to set myself 15 minute timers. So I have a bit of a pulse check. So, oh, that was 15 minutes. That's good. This idea of like, oh, and then, you know, before I know it, half an hour has gone. And now, okay, it's given me a sense of time going by in a way that I might not otherwise mm. have, have realized. Yeah, that's really good. I'm going to start doing that actually, because I have no concept of time at all. <laughs> Frank, thank you so much. We could, we genuinely could keep going and going. Um, totally, that was because amazing. The advice you were given is wicked, and no doubt that we're going to take some of that uh, home with us, and hopefully, <laughs> listeners can take a lot of it home with them as well. Yeah. Um, is if people want to find you online or offline, how do they? <laughs> without turning up at your door, how sure. do they? <laughs> I'm on LinkedIn, uh, but my business is called ConsciousClarity.co.uk and yeah, offer coaching and training and and I love it. Um, So yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been a real blast. Great. Thank you so much, Frank. Wow. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Blown away. Is that our response to everything now? Wow. 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 He he was great. He is great. He still he is. is. He's still, still, still alive. He's still going around. Um, okay, best tool you, you picked. I always do this to you. Yeah. Best tool that you learned from him. Now try and remember everything that happened. I quite like the timer thing, you know. Set, setting the 15 minutes when you're waiting for something. Yeah. Or if you're... Just to keep track of how much time's actually passing. Because it throws me off a lot. Right. I'll lose hours to not know like how much that. time... Do I like that. Yeah, I, I actually like not knowing. I'm like, God, that was five hours I was focusing. Well, really? Oh, realize. no, no, no. Not when I'm working. That's fine. You're playing. When I'm doing... So- when I'm playing. <laughs> yeah, when I'm just kicking back. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Just like, even if I'm just, you know, 
wasting time in yeah. classic. If I'm on my phone or something. Right. You know? Yeah. If I'm just hanging around. Yeah. Yeah, that was a really good one. You know, you know what my favourite tip was? when we were talking about my parents' divorce. Yeah. <laughs> Can you give me an example? <laughs> well. <laughs> Everybody's dying. My family is <laughs> evaporating. Yeah. You see his eyes like, fuck's sake. <laughs> I'm not asking him again. You see, he was, he was quite so quick to ask you job. about your experience. Yeah. <laughs> Can we can we talk about my childhood trauma? Fucking hell, Jack. Don't know why I did that. Did it, though. Um, but he was like, look, have a bit of foresight and think about yeah. what's going to stress you out, how it's going to stress you out, how it's going to make you feel, even. I think that's huge. Mm, and then counterbalancing it. The counterbalancing thing. I've never considered that before. Why have I, I never considered that? I know, I've been weighing a lot. He- I've been heavy Same, sometimes. I'm weighing down. Yeah, I'm weighing we need down. to light ourselves up, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so well, counterbalance. Amazing. Okay, well, thank you so much, guys, for listening. I hope it's been um, helpful. And we'd actually love to know, um, like, any feedback at all. Please just, like, message us on... It's a bit, bit, bit beggy there. But yeah, just, just message us... <laughs> oh, just, just message us on Instagram, distracted.podcast, um, and we will get back to you. And we'd just love to hear what you think of the podcast. Yeah. All right, then. Great. For now... Embrace the change. Mm. <laughs> Embrace the change. <laughs> Alrighty, bye. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 